You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the, way, in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, an introduction to a new series looking at the Ten Commandments tonight. Uh, and then ten, not surprising, uh, sessions after this. I wouldn't guarantee there are going to be ten consecutive because I think Easter gets in the way at some point. But... There will be ten looking at each of the commandments one at a time. This evening we're going to look at some background, what I call the bigger picture of how the commandments fit in, a bit of application and how they work for us. Uh, and just to help you, I've got an aid memoir handout to give to you, which uh, I'll explain a bit more at the time, but it's to help you to try and remember what the commandments are and which order they go in. I found it very useful, so hopefully it will for you. So just to put the thing in context, remember, if you can, back to the early story in the Bible, Joseph in favour with Pharaoh in Egypt, the rest of the Hebrews come down and enjoy the favour as well and all live there. Generations pass, Pharaohs pass, a new Pharaoh comes in. Instead of being uh, neighbours, they become slaves. Moses is raised to help with liberation after the after the uh, the battle with pharaoh over the, the 10 plagues the hebrews leave egypt end up in the wilderness 
not very thankful as it happens, and they ask for help. They turn to Moses. We need help. We're stuck here. We've come out because of you. Moses goes to God. God then gives him some commandments. Here are some instructions for you, for your, not just for your survival, but for your prospering as a people. That, in a nutshell, is how we come to have these Ten Commandments, and we'll look more at that in a minute. Now, the first thing I have to say, looking at that picture behind me, is that it wasn't Charlton Heston that went up the mountain. Um, And interestingly, the Ten Commandments were not written on two stone tablets. If you read on in Exodus, you'll find that Moses went to the top of the mountain more than once. And when he went the first time and God gave him the commandments, he spoke them to him. And Moses came down and and retold them to the people. When he went again, there was a much longer discourse and a lot more rules and regulations about how they should live, uh, how they should set the tabernacle up, how they should build the Ark of the Covenant to put the, the new covenant in it, how the priests should behave and all of that. And that was written on two stone tablets on both sides of them. So it's a simple but very useful misconception that we see as we do behind me, I think, yes. Moses standing there with two tablets with five commandments on each. And many um, Anglican church, old church buildings still will have somewhere near the front of the church will have uh, two plaques up. One will have the Ten Commandments written up and it will be in the shape of a stone and either another one with the other half or maybe the other one would have the Lord's Prayer on. But those two things are normally out the front there somewhere. So let's look at the next slide, which is my paraphrase of the Ten Commandments. Um, And the first thing to say on this is, although we've listed them as Ten Commandments, there aren't Ten Commandments. And the Bible doesn't say there are Ten Commandments. But again, like the whole of the Bible where... For our reference, verse numbers have been put down and titles of passages have put down. This has been known as the Ten Commandments because when you read through them, as you heard us say there, um, there are you shall and you shall not. And there are ten you shalls and shall nots, and so we say they're Ten Commandments. But different churches number them differently. That list is as we say them. But if you look at the list, um, some churches look at it and say, well, actually, one and two are saying the same thing. So one and two, we're going to make that one commandment. And number 10, don't, if you listened carefully when I read number 10 out, it said, do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife or his servants or blah, 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 blah. And some churches say, well, actually, that's two commandments. There are two different coveting commandments, so we'll split ten into two. They still end up with ten commandments, so they would still say with us that Moses had the ten commandments. But if you said to them, what's command number five? Depending on which church they go to, you could get confused because they shift. The the ad memoir I'm going to give you to take away is to help you remember, I won't say the right way, is remember our way, as it is up there, so uh, as listed. The traditional language, or indeed the, the language we heard in the Bible reading, is a lot fuller than what I've written up there. They're just simple headlines. So, for example, I've said number seven, don't cheat. In a way, that's a, 
a sort of wider application. Do not commit adultery, but committed adultery is cheating, specifically in marriage. But I've, I've paraphrased it, don't, uh, don't cheat. And number nine, which is don't bear false witness against your neighbour, in, in long words, basically don't lie. If you're bearing false witness, you're lying, you're saying things that aren't true. So I've tried to just boil them down a bit to help us this evening. And also, in the, in the reading in the Bible, if you read it through again, there are consequences. If you follow this commandment, this could happen. If you don't follow this commandment, then this can happen. The sins of the fathers are visited onto the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Um, I'll, I'll leave it to the speakers on the ten to unpack some of this, but... But, um, you know, I hadn't, I'm going off piste already because I wasn't going to mention this, but I think having heard that, I, I just want to say, when it says the sins of the fathers visited to the third and fourth generation, it's not about, I should be saying later, it's not about punishment. God's not saying do this wrong and I will punish you. He's saying choice and consequence. It's all about choice. If you do this, there are knock-on effects. If you don't listen to me on this, it will rub off on Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I bet Adolf Hitler's great-great-grandchildren, if he had any, would have their names changed and would never admit to having him as a great-great-grandfather because the sins of them are passed on to the third and fourth generation. It doesn't mean they're going to become dictators, but it means that they're marred, they're, they're going to be stigmatised by what went on. It's not just yourself. When we do things wrong, it affects other people. That's all that's saying about. Now... Sometimes when I say to people, let's list the Ten Commandments, they have a stab at those ten, but then they come up with a couple of others which are quite common. And the next slide is where it comes from. Remember this in Luke 10, a man comes to Jesus and says, I think I'm doing everything I should be doing, but what else do I need to do to get to heaven? And Jesus says, well, what what does the law tell you? Well, the law tells you I have to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength and love my neighbour as myself. And sometimes we see those two and say, oh, that's a, you know, they're, they're part of the Ten Commandments. And Jesus says, do this and you'll live. If you can keep those two commandments you just told me about, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself, then you will be, you'll be saved, you will live. That's what he tells him. Choices and consequences. Choose to do this and the consequence is, you will live. It's not about threats and punishments. God's not saying, if you don't do this, I will squish you. He's saying, if you do this, then you'll get it right. So on the next slide, we can see how those summaries link up to the full ten. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. That squishes together and summarizes the first four. The first four of the Ten Commandments are about our relationship with God. We only have one God. We shouldn't worship idols. We should honor God's name and we should observe his Sabbath. They're about how we react with him. Love your neighbor as yourself is the other six because those other six are about our relationship with each other honouring our parents, not murdering, cheating, stealing, lying, or coveting. It's about relationship with all of us. But all ten of them 
by keeping them or ignoring them, all ten of them, demonstrate our attitude towards God. It pleases him that we respect each other as much as it does that it pleases him that we love him. And so it's not a matter of saying if we want to please God, we'll keep the top four. And if we're more interested in our neighbours, we'll keep the other six. God wants us to keep all of them because he wants our relationship with each other to be right in his eyes as much as our relationship with him. But... There's a warning, because if your mindset's anything like mine, you see a set of rules, you think, oh, good, it's been simplified into a set of rules. All I have to do is keep those... I can forget everything else, never mind what Martin says out the front of the church for the next three or four years. Just remember these ten rules and keep them, and I'm sorted. Warning. Next slide, please. In Luke, he says, what must I do to inherit... Inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, keep those two commandments and you will live. Sounds simple. But look what Paul says in Galatians. All who rely, which is what that man was going to do, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it's written, cursed is anyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And the reason it's a catch is that when Jesus said, do that and you'll live, that sounds okay, but it's impossible to do. Not one person has ever loved the Lord their God with all their heart and all their mind and all their soul and all their strength. None of us has ever done it. None of us has always, at all times, consciously, unconsciously, every second of every day of our lives, loved our neighbours as ourselves. It's an ideal for us to live up to, but if we say, I want to be measured, I will stand and be judged by whether or not I have kept these commandments, we will trip. And that's why Paul's saying, if you rely on these laws. If you say my relationship before God is based on how I keep these laws, then you're in trouble. But we're still doing a series on them. We're still talking about them, so they still must be some use. We're not saying cut the Ten Commandments out, forget them because it's a trap. If you think about those, you'll get caught out. We're not saying that, so there must be a reason for understanding them. And to do that, we have to step back and look at the big picture. If the laws are cursed, why should we continue to learn them? Why should we give any value to them? And why should we think about applying them and valuing and following them now? Well, on the next screen is my summary of the Old Testament. God, in the beginning, before anything else happened, knew the way things needed to move forward. He knew, before he pressed that button that said Big Bang, he knew that he would have to become incarnate and die on the cross in order for the people he was going to create 
to be redeemed. He knew it would have to happen. That's a big thing for us to understand. But I believe in that he also knew that we had to understand why. And so he's given us time as his people to experience and learn that this is something that had to happen. Sometimes we fall into the mistake of talking as if it's some sort of plan B. This didn't work, that didn't work, so God thought, I know, I know what I'll do now. I'll go down and sort them out myself because nothing happened. Nothing's worked. But that's, that's devaluing God and, and his powerfulness and his knowledge. He knew what would happen, but he wanted us to be conscious of how things would happen. And so he said, okay, I know what you're going to say to me. You're going to say, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to come down and use your one chance to come amongst us and be a human being and experience it as we do and then blow it on the cross. You didn't have to do that. Why don't you just send us a spokesman for us to listen to? And God could say to us, well, I did. I sent you Moses. What did you do? You ignored him. He came up and got some rules and regs from me. And before he came back down, you'd broken them. You didn't listen to him. And even Moses himself failed in the end. Well, you just could have given us a set of rules to follow. Well, I did. I gave you the commandments. But you broke them. You never kept them properly. Well, you could have given us a king like all the other, all the other countries. All the other, they've all got kings. Why couldn't we? Well, I gave you kings. And some of them were very godly sometimes. But they weren't godly all the times. Look at David. And we will look at David later. Look at David. He was one of God's favourites. He was meant to be the archetypal. Once in royal David city. But look at the things he did wrong. He was a human. An imperfect human who broke God's commandments. Well, you could have sent us some people that spoke on your behalf and we'd have listened. Well, I sent you prophets and you threw them down the wells and you tore up the things they said. You didn't listen. There is only one way it can happen and I've shown you all the other ways and I've shown you they don't work. This is the only way it can. I need to come down. I need to be with you. I need to show you what someone who's never broken a commandment looks like and I need to die on the cross so that you don't have to die yourselves. Christ the Redeemer was the only way, and he could have done it straight away without us even knowing. But he wanted us to know and appreciate and understand that this had to happen. J. John, who we're um, thinking of a lot at the moment because he's coming to Priestfields in... June, I think, um, and house groups have been invited to look at a study at the moment on evangelism from J. John. Well, he wrote a book studying the Ten Commandments. And in the introduction to that, he wrote this, Deep down inside all of us is an ingrained recognition that we were made to operate under these ancient rules. They are the maker's instructions for those he has created. They and we belong together. 
And for us to operate without them is an act of the highest stupidity. That's what J. John says. The Ten Commandments are the Maker's instructions. They're not given to us to catch us out. They were given to us to enable us to function as designed. Because of the fall, because we're not perfect, we trip over and we get things wrong. But they weren't given to catch us out to get things wrong. They were given to guide us so that we could have a fulfilled life, a life that's pleasing to God. If you have a car and you're responsible for looking after it, you know that every so often it should go and have a service. The oil should be changed, the spark plugs should be changed, the tyres need new tyres because of the treads. If you don't service it properly, bad things will happen. And I know this from personal experience when I thought I would save money by not having my car serviced. And then it ran out of engine oil. And then the engine seized up. And it went to the scrapyard. We, as Christians, love God. And because we love God, we want to please him. We don't want to please him because we're scared of being punished if we get things wrong. We want to please him as a demonstration of our love for him. I've got my wife sitting here listening to me tonight, and she's going to laugh all the way home after this when I say things like, to show and demonstrate you love someone, you do things that you know will please them. When was the last time I ever bought you flowers? (laughs) There comes a time when it gets so long after you bought flowers that if you do buy them now, it won't please them. It'll just worry them. Yes. What's this for? What have you been up to? But really, don't we, when we love someone, we don't go out of our way to do things to hurt them. We look for ways to please them. And we're not scared of God. I know we use language about him being awesome and fearful. But that's language. In our hearts, we love him. And we know he loves us. And we want to please him. And one way of pleasing him is to try and live in a way that he approves of. Not because we're scared of being punished if we don't. It's not to appease him. It's to give him pleasure. So he looks at us and smiles and says, that's nice, I like that. Last year, in the autumn, there was a public survey held in the UK. People were asked, of the Ten Commandments, which ones do you think are important? This is the results. It's a bit like Pointless or or, um, Family Fortunes or something like that. 93% of the people that were asked which ones are important said that murder was important. An important commandment to keep still. I'm glad, 93%. I'm a bit worried for the 7% that didn't. Uh, And 93% said the command about stealing is important to observe. But look as we go down the list, what happens. False witness, adultery, 73%. Coveting, 61%. And then look between 61% and 31%. 31% say idolatry is wrong. 23% 
misusing God's name, 20% having other gods, and 19% observe the Sabbath. The four, having seen earlier how that love the Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbour yourself, the four that relate to our relationship with God, thank you Martin, are the four lowest priority. Personal spirituality, as we thought about this morning as well, seems to be uh, fading at the moment. People still think that things like murder, stealing, lying, adultery are wrong, but the spiritual stuff, which is just as important to us as Christians, is fading. This sermon series is being offered to us to heighten and reignite our passion to please God. I can't speak for the individual people that will lead the talks every week, but I think what we'll be up to is that each one of those talks will be aiming to increase our understanding of that command and its relevance and application to our everyday life. It's not a history lesson about what it meant back then. We need to know what it meant. We need to know the context. But we're learning these so that we can hold them and own them. So they become unconscious in our lives. We want to please God. And we've seen a glimpse of what's in his heart. He said to us, it will please me because I've designed you this way if these things, these simple ten rules... If they're observed, one of those songs we sang tonight, it said, teach me your ways, Lord. And that's what this is about. We're going to learn his ways. My way for you to live, my way for you to exist in a way that's, that's going to be good for you and good for everyone else is these ten observations, these ten rules. That analogy I used about the... Well, it wasn't an analogy, was it? It was a testimony about um, not, not having a car service. An analogy on that. If, if we say that a car runs on petrol, it needs petrol for it to run, that's about us and our faith. We exist and function because we have faith. But the engine runs smoothly and more efficiently because it has engine oil in it. That makes all the bits move round. If we follow the guidance of the law, that's like the engine oil. We are, we are sanctified and justified. We, our relationship with God is made right because of our faith. If you declare with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not if you keep the Ten Commandments, you will be saved. Jesus said to the man, because the man was asking the question, I do, I'm keeping all these rules. And he said, fine, if you're keeping rules, just keep those two and you'll be fine. But Jesus knew, and in fact he tested him, because he said, okay, go and give all your wealth away. Show me you haven't got any other gods. And he couldn't do it. He broke the commandments straight away. No, 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 my, my money is more important than my God. Can't do it. Cars run on petrol, we run on faith. Cars need oil to run smoothly. We follow the guidance of the law to run smoothly. That book I mentioned from, from J. John, I get no commission for advertising. It just 10, there we are. 
Um, if you can see the tagline under the title, it says, God's timeless values for life today. That's how he sold the idea of studying the Ten Commandments. I like it. It's telling us that these commands come from God. It's telling us that they're timeless. They're unchanging principles. The application today may be different to the application when they were given, but the principles behind them, the the things that God wants from us, are just as important today as they were there. And they're practical. They're for life. They're not something just just to have academically in the background, and they're for us to use today. That's the important thing. God's timeless values for life today. Now, I want to do a quick case study to show how these commandments uh, work in our lives and and how easy it is to stumble across them if we're not careful. And to do that, we're going to go back to the Bible. And I said we talk about King David. So here's a picture from a Bible story. And it's from the encounter of David with Bathsheba. What we're going to do is we're going to walk through the story of David and Bathsheba and see which commandment he breaks. So, on the next screen, we should get ready for that. So, once upon a time, King David, on the parapet of the palace in Jerusalem, looks out over the town, sees a lovely lady on her roof, which is where you had the baths in those days, and says, wow, she's nice. I wish, I wish she was my wife. So, first alarm bell. What's he done wrong? He's coveted his neighbour's wife straight away. Which commandment's that? Number 10. Well done. Yes, he's broken number 10. He's coveted. First thing he's done. Straight away, just by looking and thinking it, he's coveting. Someone's got something I want. He doesn't leave it there. He finds her and he takes her for himself. What's he done now? Not yet. He's stolen. Yes. He's stealing someone else's wife. Uriah the Hittite, one of his one of his army generals, is out on the field and she's at home on her own and he steals her and takes her to his bed. Oh, by the way, what what commandment's that? Anyone remember? Stealing, number? I think someone said eight. Don't worry, in a minute we'll have the handouts and you will learn how to do it unconsciously. Number eight, he stole. Then he took her to his bed, so he committed adultery, which is number? Number seven, yes, well done. Having done that, if you remember the story, she said, I'm pregnant. And he said, oh, how can we hide the fact that we've had an affair and I've made you pregnant? I know. When, a, when Uriah gets back from war, I'll send him to you at home. You can say hello, as wives do when husbands come home, and he'll think the baby's his. But unfortunately, Uriah says, I'm not going home to my wife and all the other soldiers have to stay in camp. I'll stay with them. He was being honourable, and it mucked up David's plan. He wanted to say, the baby is yours, not mine. So what was he doing now? He was lying. He was bearing false witness against his neighbour. He was trying to say, you've made your wife pregnant, I haven't. Which is command number? Number nine. Well done. So he lied. 
Then he said, I've got another plan. I know, I'll send him back to the front and I'll tell the guys that when they're in the hottest bit of the battle to back off and leave him on his own so he's got no chance, the enemy will come in and they'll squish him and that'll end all my troubles. So he committed murder. Number, number six, well done. I do think someone's got an open Bible somewhere. He murdered. Okay. So that's five. He's broke. We've already said he's broken five commandments. He's coveted, he's stolen, he's cheated, he's lied, and he's murdered. Even if he didn't do the murder himself, it's he, it was his command. He made him die. So he's committed that murder as much as the soldiers that backed off or the foreign soldier that hit him with his sword. Above all of that, Who did David look to for authority in his behaviour? Who was in charge of David's life when he was doing all of this? He should have been. Who? David. David was in charge of David's life. So what's he done? Which commandments he broken? He's broken the first two, hasn't he? I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods but me, says God. And David says, well, actually, I think I know best. So I'm going to listen to me, not you. So he's broken number one. And he's making a copy of God for himself because he's saying, I am. So he's breaking one and two as well. He's pleased himself rather than pleasing God. And an, an important observation on this is that when we see the commandments, we said it was sad that that modern one, they seem to be back to front, that the four about God were at the bottom, not the top. And it looks like when you hear the Ten Commandments, it's in order of importance. Number one, I am, the, I am God, I am the Lord your God, I have no other God to me. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and by the time you get to ten, don't covet. But it's a bit like pulling a snag out of a jumper, isn't it? If you covet, what happens? Everything falls to bits. Just thinking about something is the slippery slope. He saw someone's wife, wanted it for himself, and he ended up breaking at least seven commandments, seven of the ten, just by doing that. That's why it's important for us to know what they are and to have them ingrained in our hearts so that our conscience, God's voice within us, can be saying, ooh, We should feel uneasy. We shouldn't stand there and say, but I've done nothing wrong. I don't recognise that something's gone wrong here. We should know it's wrong. It should be ingrained. And the more we think, the more it becomes uh, built in. Now, I think, in terms of talking, that's about it. That's my summary for the talk, really, is keep taking the tablets. Um... I think I've got a few minutes, so... I'm not going to walk these through one at a time, but just so you know how to drive this. Um, if you're like me, you can probably list the 12 days of Christmas, but you can't get them in the right order. I know there's one about drummers and pipers and dancers and, and gold rings, and, but to get them in the right order is awkward. And 
What I'm hoping is, as we go through this series of ten talks about the commandments, if you don't already know, by the time we get to the end, you should be able to write down what the ten commandments are. But you may have problems getting them in the right order. This aid memoir may help you when you work through it and and jog your memory about what they are, but it's more likely, if you already know them, that this will help you to get them in the right order. I was told this when I met a friend in a corridor and asked him where he was going. And he said, oh, I'm going out to school to teach them the Ten Commandments. And he went, blah, 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 blah. And I went away and I've never forgotten it. And I get them in the right order just because of that. That, So for me, it was very useful. I hope it might be of use to you. So, um, for example, I'm going to be back in five weeks to look at the Fifth Commandment, which is... Honour your parents. And I know that because I remember that if you put your hand out, it's got five digits on it. And who through life do you normally put your hand out to first when you want something? Your parents. So the way I I say, okay, this is the one about parents. It doesn't doesn't remind you to honour. It might say, when you need something, go to your parents first. You might think that's the commandment, but it's not. All it's saying is, the one about parents is the fifth one. Okay, you have to know what it is. And, and the, the six, the number six, looks like a noose. So it's the one about death. And the one about death is do not, do not murder. So that's how it will help you. And each of the ten is related to the number. Okay, so the five digits on the hand is the fifth commandment. The, num- the shape of the number six is the sixth commandment. Um, so hopefully it'll help you. I will, regardless of what anyone else says, when I come back for week number five, I will test you to see if you can remember where we are. Now, to finish this evening uh, and to wrap it up in a way that helps us, I've found a responsive way of looking again at the commandments as we did at the beginning from the, from the script of the Bible itself. We're going to hear them again, and we're going to say some words in response, and those words are about our application of them. It's asking God to help us. None of them say, please do not punish us if we get it wrong. They're all saying, we want to do this, so help us to do it properly. So let's just sit quietly for a minute and focus. And then we'll go through those commandments again, responding. You'll see when it comes on the screen that there are uh, bold areas for you to respond, and I'll read out the light print. And so let us hear the decrees and laws of the Lord, learn them, and be sure to follow them. You shall have no other gods but me. Lord, help us to love you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. You shall not make for yourself any idol. Lord, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. You shall not dishonour the name of the Lord your God. Lord, help us to honour you with reverence and awe. Remember the Lord's day and keep it holy. 
Lord, help us to remember Christ risen from the dead and to set our minds on things above, not on things on the earth. Honour your father and your mother. Lord, help us to live as your servants, giving respect to all, and love our brothers and sisters in Christ. You shall not murder. Lord, help us to be reconciled with each other and to overcome evil with good. You shall not commit adultery. Lord, help us to realise that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You shall not steal. Lord, help us to be honest in all we do and to care for those in need. You shall not bear false witness. Lord, help us always to speak the truth. You shall not covet anything which belongs to your neighbour. Lord, help us to remember, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, and help us to love our neighbours as ourselves for his sake. Amen.